stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! Shout out to RJ, Ryan, Zoe and Matt for coming home and laying the table. Daddy's home. <laughs> Welcome back to Motorsport 101. <laughs> Gentlemen, it's been too long. <laughs> Thanks to I, Mr. I, I thought you were in a shallow grave in some London park. <laughs> I don't. It would have been in Glasgow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Via, via Zoe Hamilton induced restraining order. Clearly, um, <laughs> welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode one hundred and five. I want to say yes. <laughs> yes, it was one hundred and five. It's been a while, clearly. <laughs> For those guys who may have forgotten, I'm the regular host of the Motorsport 101 podcast, Andre Harrison, and it's a pleasure to be back with you. Um, For those guys that have been asking... It's been nothing too serious, it's just been on the unfortunate nature of work commitments and a cluster that is falling apart. Um, so I've had to work a lot I've of... S- I've <laughs> seen the Twitter photos, like, that that roof is caved in. <laughs> yes, it was! Like, well, I was in a shop last week where a roof collapsed, as you do. Uh, <laughs> collapsed roofs, 48-hour work weeks, working six days... Uh, covering my other manager going from a full-time to a part-time schedule, having no cashiers. It's been that sort of month, um, to say the least. And I am the sort of person that feels like he's obligated to help people, even if it means not being on an episode of Motorsport 101 for a month, Um, which I vowed I would never do again around episode 95 when I was gone last time for two weeks. This time I upped it to four. Go me. Um, I broke my own record for consecutive non-appearances. Sorry about that, everybody. Um, But I would just like to say a massive thank you to everybody that has offered their words of support. To those that have been watching the videos in the absence, because I've been, you know, diverting my time into other ways since I've not been on the show in four weeks. And um, people that have genuinely been asking, like, yeah, Dre, we miss you. And, you know, Dre, when are you coming back? And um, it's, it's, I found it very touching that you guys were asking to come, were asking when I'm coming back. And you guys, you know, seem to think I'm an integral part of this show which you guys are ridiculous for thinking that like uh, like that how is that a thing <laughs> um but I'm honored for that so thank you all everybody for the well wishes and uh it's a pleasure to be back cross your fingers I'm not gone for a month again seriously and uh, on a serious note a serious thanks to RJ to King to everybody that's helped step in in my absence I do genuinely really really appreciate it um these guys are a family it's a labor of love um, uh, it's a love-hate relationship but there's like I love them they all hate me because I'm never around <laughs> but um, seriously thank you all so much for that it does it does mean the world to be back and um, I chose an interesting week to come back clearly <laughs> more on that later but in the meantime let me reintroduce we got the band back together for the first time in five weeks it's Good to have Mr. Ryan King back, everybody. Hey, Ryan. <laughs> yep, what's up? What's up? Yep, you definitely chose an interesting week to be back. Would have been more interesting last week, but interesting nonetheless. 
Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, you guys were saved a, a rant of monumental proportions, to say the least. I, I kept it in this time round. I've been professional. God damn you, Sebastian! Um, no, no, no. I, I, it's out of my system. Out of my system. It's, I, I promise it's gone, okay? Okay? And breathe. Yeah, okay, I'm good. And in the blue corner, welcoming back, Mr. RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir. Howdy, y'all. Um, golly, this this was a whole lot of nothing that happened this motorsport weekend. If your if your focus is primarily on the big two, um, I guess in that case would be F one or IndyCar. Yeah, there there wasn't a whole lot happening. Yet yet an entertaining NASCAR race, which nobody was talking about by the end of the evening, uh, mm-hmm. for, for reasons we'll we'll dive into in a couple minutes. Um, you had a very entertaining Super Formula race, which we'll talk about later on the show, that nobody watched because nobody's getting up at daggone sits in the morning, UK Oof. time. Was, was, even, if, even if it is to see Pierre Gasly try for a hat trick. Yeah, yeah even, well, even though, like, in US time, that is, like, perfect if you live, like, on the East Coast, where it's, like, 1 a.m. and, like, 1 a.m. on a Saturday night. Well, aren't you lucky, Eastern Savings Time, or whatever it is, whatever Eastern Standard Time, Ryan Eric King. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I really should have done it just, just as practice for the Japanese Grand Prix in a fortnight's time, like, because that's a 6am start in the UK, so, you know, that's... <laughs> I should, I should don't, take... forget the, don't forget the Malaysia Grand Prix, where you can still buy tickets for way too cheap. They're, they're still out there. You... you whoop. They're practically giving them away at this point. Yeah, the final Malaysian Grand Prix as we know it. Um, sad face. Um, I mentioned it on Twitter the other day. It's like, I don't think there's a race that has produced more entertaining races in recent years than Malaysia. I like It just has this knack of being entertaining. Last season, 2015, 2013 with Multi-21, 2012... Um, with the rain and Alonso versus Perez, you can go back a little bit further, 2009 and the apocalyptic monsoon <laughs> that that came around, and the rarely seen half points in in 2009 as well, where, where Jensen Button was just winning everything, um, basically, and yeah, it goes on and on. Like it's had many a classic in our times. Like, like y'all, they uh, they actually have to put up a Twitter poll to figure out which one of these Malaysian Grand Prix they're gonna put up in full on YouTube. Yeah, because it's the final Malaysian Grand Prix. F1 and Liberty Media have been very generous to say we will put up a fan voted Malaysian Grand Prix in full on YouTube for 19 days. I think it's because it's the 19th Malaysian Grand Prix, so they're gonna put it a full race up on YouTube, uncut. Um, for 19 days, which is really yeah. cool of Liberty Media, I must say. I, Vote 2001! <laughs> yeah, yeah, like literally the all the subreddit, the, all the F1 subreddit is like, Vote 2001, there's no way we're gonna get one of these bad boys in HD. We need to do this. Yes, yeah, that's an excellent <laughs> that's an excellent point, yeah. Because yeah, uh, the free quotes, I think, are 2001, which was um, the epic Ferrari comeback. 2003, which I think was Kimi Raikkonen's first Grand Prix victory. Um, Fernando Alonso's first Grand Prix podium as well, or 2012 and the epic Alonso versus Perez showdown. Um, like, like, what do you mean this Mexican kid's really good? Um, <laughs> basically, 
which I remember I remember evidently tweeting, give him Felipe Massa's seat this instant um, during that race itself. So if you want to check that out, it's probably, this probably a Twitter post probably up by the time you listen to this. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, you, if, you, if you want to check out the 2012 race, there, there are places where you could find that. <clears throat> but, but 2001, that is currently unavailable anywhere in high definition except from your vaults at Formula One management. So keep that in mind. Yes. Keep that in mind. Very true. That's a very, very good point. Otherwise, you have to dig up the totally legal sources archive for 2012. We don't want that. That's a waste of resources. <laughs> Vote 2001, <laughs> damn it. Um, but in the meantime, let's get the general housekeeping out of the way real quick. Places you can find us. Motorsport101.net. Uh, you can find us on YouTube. YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport1. And a ton of new content on there in the past week, including Dre Briefs. And a lot of my face. I, I so disappoint you about that, um, to say the least. I'm better off behind the microphone, really, quite frankly. But uh, hey, there you go. My face is on there. I'm, I'm sure that's a very appealing prospect for all of you. Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. On Twitter, at Motorsport underscore 101. And our personal Twitter's at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, and at Ryan Eric King. That's with two days, two days. And if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. And check out, we have a new restructuring system on there as well now. If you want a t-shirt, you don't have to back for 15 bucks anymore. It's only 10 now. And there's a bunch of other cool stuff on there as well. If you really, really like us, that would be awesome. So thank you very much for that. Um, right. I think, we've, I think we've ignored the elephant in the room here for long enough. Let's get into keeping it 101. This is the part where we all crack our knuckles and go, oh god, Dre, what the hell have you walked back into? Somebody get the fire extinguisher. Um, like it's, th- it's the Donald Glover gif. It absolutely is. <laughs> it is the Donald Glover gif out of community, or in a nutshell. It's like, you'd have thought coming back to the Ferraris wiping each other out at the Singapore Grand Prix would have been bad. No, somehow, motorsport and politics found a way to one-up it. <laughs> way to go, guys. Way to go. That took some doing. Like, 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 you really had to dig out of the bottom of the barrel on that one, but you did it. Um, it, took a, it, took a, it took a special set of circumstances for all of this to come together. Uh, partially, we have to say thanks to um, Twitter for making their application possible. Mm-hmm. Second, we have to thank uh, Steph Curry. Steph yes. Curry with the shot. Um... I think I think that's good. I think I think we covered everyone who was involved in the situation. No, 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 no. <laughs> Hold on. You're 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 leaving out the fact that Steph Curry merely threw up the pass and LeBron James brought it down <laughs> with a slam dunk. <laughs> Two words, four letters. You bum. <laughs> Would you ever thought you'd see the day where the world's two best basketball players combine their powers to say to say Donald Trump is a bum? Steph Curry was actually kind of nice about the whole thing because you know Steph is adorbs. He doesn't say he doesn't no, say. No, no. Let, let, let's take a step back. Yeah, we live in a world where two of the best basketball players on the planet are in a Twitter fight, got in a Twitter fight with the president of the United States of America. Would you ever have guessed that two years ago? <laughs> Not uh, two in a years million ago, years. 
two years ago, I'd probably say that maybe Barack Obama would have got mad if, you know, Derek Rose had left the had left, you know, <laughs> Chicago to the Knicks at that time. But yeah, like, oh, wait. like but now, oh my god. Yeah, to 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 basically fill you in if you've been living under a rock for the last week. Um this how it basically started was this past weekend where Steph Curry was talking to um, the media in uh, in California, obviously where Golden State play, and um, he said straight up that he wanted to vote no in regards to the Golden State Warriors, obviously the reigning NBA champions, to visiting um, President Trump at the White House, which is you know a common U.S. sporting tradition these days. Now, championship winning team gets to go to the White House, holds up a jersey, cracks some jokes, all that fun times. And it was the Obama era. Um, him telling J.R. Smith to put on a shirt was as bad as good as it got back then. Um, not anymore. Steph Curry openly said, "No, I don't want to go to the White House, and I think the team shouldn't go to the White House to make a point." Donald Trump, of course, got wind of this and immediately whipped out his smartphone and basically said that Steph Curry was hesitating over his invitation and it was rescinded. And all hell broke loose. (laughs) Yeah, like, it escalated so quickly. And it's not like people confronted him. It's like he just escalated it on his own where he said, uh, where he, uh, went on a tirade about the NFL, uh, Mm -hmm. Pretty much said, pretty much called every player in the NFL who protests the national anthem a son of a bitch. Um, yeah. Let's see. Said that was one of the reasons why the NFL had low ratings, not because like the games have been boring. No, it's players protesting. Uh, when he means players, he means basically two or three people. It's not even that many people in the NFL that's actively gone out and protested. It's been. A handful at best. I mean, yeah, there was a couple of guys that joined Cap- Colin Kaepernick when he kneeled last year, but that phase, let's be honest, it died out after a week or two originally. But now, in, in, it exploded. It exploded. It, it exploded this past weekend, where it seems that you know people were kind of on the fence regarding Colin Kaepernick's comments last year, but when Donald Trump calls the NFL players some sons of bitches. It managed to, quote-unquote, galvanize the NFL. And it's like, oh, yeah, here we go. We're all sitting down and kneeling now, guys. Yeah, yeah. Last year when, last year when it started, it was pretty much who was, prote- who was protesting. This year, it's who wasn't protesting. Because it's almost the entire league. Yeah, like, you would never have guessed this a year ago. But this is where we are now. And... Like, there is so many angles to look at this from. Like, for example, like, Baltimore and Jacksonville, who was playing in London at Wembley Stadium this weekend, um, and seeing a good chunk of, like, the majority of the black players on the Baltimore Ravens kneeling during the National Anthem. Clearly, I saw Terrell Suggs and, um, you know, Brandon Carr was part of those guys out there. And, weirdly, Ray Lewis was out there kneeling, Ray Lewis, who criticised the protesters in the past and called them stupid, and, you know, was seen previously pictured arm-in-arm with Donald Trump, is going out here and kneeling with the players. Because, let's let's get this straight, for people who don't understand why the players are protesting in the first place, uh, 
basically the protests are happening because mostly most of the NFL players feel that in the United States of America there is systematic police brutality, which like there is overwhelming evidence in support of their case. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is not. This is. We have evolved past the point of this being about a flag or an anthem. This is about something entirely different. It would be like saying that Rosa Parks protested by sitting at the front of the bus to protest public transportation when you know damn well that's not the case yes unfortunately the reality is when it comes to the american media people on social media it's gotten to a point where people have tried to make it about the flag and that's the hill they've chosen to die on because let's be real here it's for i think for the majority of americans it's much easier to have a conversation about you know is this disrespectful to the american flag or what are the issues with systematic racism in america and well like the the issue that always comes up that number one it's not disrespectful to the flag per se itself it's disrespectful to the men and women who in our armed forces who have served, you know, and risked their lives to protect that flag. And it's pretty much, to, to swivel this back into motorsport, it's pretty much how some people, to defend, like, safety change in Formula One, they bring up the death of Ayrton Senna. And it's mm-hmm. kind of in that light where it's like, well, you can't do anything bad regarding that because uh, people died for that. Yeah, and... Which is amazing because when Colin originally did it last year, it was a compromise with veterans that he had spoken to beforehand saying, what's the best way of of, of basically protesting against this? And the compromise was taking the knee during the anthem. So it's like in the eyes of Colin Kaepernick who started this, this was never about disrespecting the military. This was about a protest against systemic racism and police brutality in the United States. Unfortunately, many people have spun that into a protest, or people think he's protesting against the military. And if anybody knows America well, it's don't diss the military, because, you know, people are very passionate about defending said military. And oh my god. Like, uh, I'm probably going to... Quick tangent, like... Sure. Part of me... Like, uh, if you saw Bob Costas' interview with with uh, CNN, where, mm-hmm. you know, Bob Costas, the famous NBC sports broadcaster, he's probably been, like, the face of every U.S. Olympic uh, TV coverage since, mm. like, the Barcelona Games. Whew. Yeah. So, pretty much he says that kind of sports and patriotism has reached a point where it's kind of sports patriotism and the military have become so conflated that like the only way to be seen as like a real or true american it's almost like veterans are held to like a higher degree of reverence than any other person that could be patriotic about the country yeah exactly and yeah like in great britain we kind of have that problem too it's it happened a lot when when lee rigby was murdered in london people started talking about the military in that sense as well and you know people get passionate about defending that sort of thing and it's not as simple as that and it's never been as simple as that and that's kind of that kind of led to where we are now with with literally dozens of players in the nfl taking a knee um, during the national anthem, and again, there was, there was many, many awkward situations. Like we mentioned Ray Lewis a minute ago. How about the Pittsburgh Steelers king? Where oh my god! Well, I think it was Villanova, who was a two-tour Army veteran, was the only man that that was out there 
um, standing for the anthem when Mike Tomlin, who's the Steelers' head coach, had already arranged about an hour before kickoff that no, we're not coming out for the national anthem. We don't want. We're we're, no, we're no, going to no. abstain from this. Basically. What had happened yeah, in on. Pittsburgh was Mike Tomlin told the team. We're going to decide on what we're going to do. If we all can't come to agreement, we're just not going to go out. It's either we all stand or we all sit or we're not going out. They didn't come to agreement, so they all had to stay in the locker room. This was not the only time that this happened, by the way. If you may recall, mm. in the game against the, between the Seattle Seahawks and the Tennessee Titans, none of the players were out in the field. Also, I should remind you that players were not mandated to be on the field for patriotic displays, including the National Anthem, until about 2009. Yeah. And most of that was a armed forces recruiting tool anyway. Yeah. And this has been covered by people much smarter and much more knowledgeable about it than I am. Yeah, like years ago, like Keith Overman like revealed the whole uh, pay-for-play scandal where basically the, the armed forces was like the Department of Defense was paying like Major League Baseball. They uh, Like obviously it's more notable in, in you know, IndyCar and NASCAR, where we had the National Guard cars, but like yes. in other sports, they paid teams for patriotic displays to you know unfurl the massive flags and stuff. They were paying teams to do this. Yeah, paid patriotism. Um, there's a couple of great videos regarding that on SB Nation from Matt Ufford, who was one of the best on on SB Nation regarding that. He's yeah, because he, he's a he's a veteran himself. Yeah, a former United States Marine himself, and like his his episode of Uff's, of Nuff said regarding Kaepernick and paid patriotism, they're, they're two that is definitely worth watching, and I highly recommend those if you haven't already. SB Nation's YouTube account for more on that, and stick around for the John Boys episodes as well. But um, it's one of those things where it's gotten deep, and it's 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 like NFL Twitter around like six p.m. my time when one p.m. games kicked off and the different pictures. It like NFL Twitter had exploded. It was it was it was crazy. It was a crazy crazy thing to see happen as it happened. Like. I was watching the New England game, obviously being the Patriots fan that I am, and I was already pissed off enough that our owner, Robert Kraft, was saying, with like the most vanilla statement, <laughs> like like most of the NFL owners and CEOs had quite nothing burger statements, to say the least. And I think Robert Kraft's topped the lot when he said, there is nothing more divisive in this country than politics, says the man who gave $4 million to Donald Trump's presidential campaign. So he's if you're... The, he's the head of the inauguration committee. Like, <laughs> I, I just sit there going, nothing, you're saying nothing is more divisive than politics, and you gave one side of the committee $4 million of your own money. Now, okay, he, Robert. He, he signed up for the tax breaks. He didn't get that. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, I'm so embarrassed to be a Patriots fan today. Jesus fucking Christ. Like, I, I was just sitting there going, Robert, no. Robert, sit down and shut up. It's probably the smartest thing you can do right now. Like, like, like don't even bother with these, like, half-assed nothing burger statements like uh, like all the other owners have come out with. Like, you know what was the worst one of those, King? The Washington football team had come out with one of those. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. those familiarity and unity statements with Dan Schneider. <laughs> That are when I'm with your plates. Your team has a racist name. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, and it's like, oh my god, it's. <laughs> oh, like I know the American military means a lot to a lot of people, 
but there's like so many things that's like so hypocritical it's like like i think like most homeless people in the united states are u.s military veterans and it's like yeah you, like you care about the military but you don't care about it that much and i think one of the lines from the costas interview that i kind of like really stuck out to me where you said that patriotism patriotism comes in many forms you don't have to be a soldier to be a patriot like dissidents can be patriots too Susan B. Anthony was a patriot Martin Luther King Jr. was a patriot like like school teachers nurses they're patriots like mm-hmm. like especially especially in Britain where you have like a publicly funded health service you're yeah. serving your country if absolutely. you work for the NHS absolutely yeah that's a very good point and yeah, uh, to say the least. Like, it's like I, I, it's amazing, right? That Donald Trump can galvanize the NFL so well that it almost made the NFL look like the good guys for once. Because oh my god, that's like weird, it's yeah, weird. It's, it's like let's not forget the NFL is mostly an abhorrent organization that basically takes years off players' lives, are tone-deaf when it comes to matters like domestic violence, to matters like pain relief, like where guys are getting suspended for things like Crohn's disease and they're smoking weed to, t- to, to basically deal with their opioid addictions. Oh, oh! don't don't forget the, the player punishment roulette where you could get fired <laughs> from your team for a crime that you did not commit. Shout out to Lucky Whitehead. Um, or, or, you know getting suspended for one game for domestic violence. Oh, but then, hey, we find now he's not in the league anymore and we need to galvanize our case against Ezekiel Elliott. Let's suspend Josh Brown for five more games and basically <laughs> give him double jeopardy. God. This is what we're dealing with here. Donald Trump made the NFL look like the good guys. How on earth did he pull that one off? <laughs> like, holy because shit. Donald Trump is the king of the distraction. He is the king of the pump fake. He is the king of pissing you off in one way so you don't you don't see what he's getting away with with the other hand. He's the Allen Iverson crossover of politics because it came out today that is... Uh, get that... Dre, get that... Get Allen Iverson's name out of the same context <laughs> as Donald Trump. <laughs> we talking about practice, RJ. <laughs> we talking about practice. <laughs> So, but, I don't know. I don't know of any shithead president with a thirty-seven percent approval rating to come off the bench. <laughs> oh mostly because he's staying on there. Yeah, it's like mostly to cover up the fact that his own son-in-law Kushner was using a private email address using White House correspondence. But then they're trying those. to, or they're trying to vote out health care again. Yep. Yeah, that's true. But for I think like the, for like the twentieth time this year. Mm-hmm. But yeah. The, yeah, yesterday, coincidentally, uh, Politico, they broke a story saying that uh, Jared Kushner had used a private email account to conduct White House business. And uh, pretty much what had happened was Kushner had set up this email after the election. So it wasn't like he was using an old email account when he moved into the White House. No, he was using, like, apparently him and a whole bunch of other White House officials have been using private email accounts for official business to hide it from the public record. Mm-hmm. But those, e- but her emails, though, et cetera, <laughs> yes. et cetera. Yes. <laughs> Donald Trump's entire presidential campaign, well, 
the the seg the last part where he was facing off against Hillary Clinton was largely his side of the argument was based off of can you trust Hillary Clinton? She uses a pri- she uses a private email account as Secretary of State. You can't trust her. And Hillary Hillary Clinton <laughs> wouldn't have moved over to the other side of the track to defend her position on the on the starting grid. <laughs> yes. Yes, unfortunately, sandwiched poor Bernie Sanders in the middle. Um, <laughs> but it's it's just one of those things, man. And it's like, <laughs> I, like, I don't even know where to, where to go with this at this point. It's just, it is ridiculous that we have to even talk about this on the podcast. But, you know, we can tie it back to motorsport to a large degree as well. Because uh, NASCAR, NASCAR basically doubled down on this stance over the weekend as well right in the middle of their playoff season of course God damn it right way right to go during, nascar yeah this uh this story hit our timeline right during the middle of an actual race that was going on they were running in new hampshire motor speedway for the second round of the playoffs and all of a sudden a story from the hill.com breaks across our timeline saying that there are a couple of prominent NASCAR team owners who would, quote, fire their employees, team members, drivers, if they participate in similar protests. Oh, boy. Oh, God. Like, when they said a couple, it was literally a couple. It was two. And it was probably the two that you did not want to see listed there. (laughs) Yep. Richard Petty being one of the two. And yes, Richard Petty of Richard Petty Motorsports, also known as the King. He's statistically, in terms of race wins, the greatest NASCAR driver of all time. No big deal. <laughs> and the other owner, Richard Childress, you know, he owns and operates Richard Childress Racing, which was Dale Earnhardt's team while he was in NASCAR. Oh, boy. <laughs> Mr. Popular of, of NASCAR, to say the least. Now, I know I'm, I'm, I'm watering Dale, the, the Earnhardt family, down there a little bit when I say Mr. Popular, but we all know that. That's a very, very big deal, um, to say the least. So, um, yeah, way to go, NASCAR, for shooting yourself in the foot right in the middle of playoff season by coming out with this. Um, in the middle of your playoff race, which right now nobody is talking about, unfortunately. Um, yes, I, I want to bring up this quote here from uh, from Awful Announcing here about NASCAR's uh, play. The, the TV ratings are the TV ratings are bad. They're they're saying, and a quote: "We're talking about some of the lowest ratings the sport has drawn since the turn of the century, seventeen years ago. Jesus. The first year of a multi million dollar TV contract with uh, with Fox and with Turner Sports and with NBC. We're talking about the lowest ratings since post immediate post nine eleven, when probably nobody wanted to really um, focus on motorsport in general. And Indeed. you know, I I can say this as somebody who is." From this part of the country, the traditional stronghold of NASCAR racing. NASCAR has not moved the needle in the South for God knows how long. This is this is college football stronghold. NASCAR is an afterthought. It really is. They yeah. have gone to such lengths to alienate their base, mm-hmm. and this is like this is the way that you reach out by just by just trying to galvanize the most regrettably terrible people that are still a part of your fan base that you haven't already alienated. Yeah, rot, rotten to the corner. Remember, it's not the first time NASCAR's done this in recent times. We talked about it on this very show last year when Brian France, the CEO of NASCAR, basically publicly endorsed Donald Trump, and everyone was just like, 
Oh, what a surprise. Um, basically, uh, let's be real here. NASCAR has got an image problem in today's sporting world, unfortunately, and it's had that for quite a while, and things like this don't help, to say the least. And, like, I'm not... The, I, I probably watched the least amount of NASCAR out of the three people on this show. I openly admit that. But even I know from people that are more prominent NASCAR heads than me shout out to Adam, I know you're listening um, and he, he, many people that I know know NASCAR on a religious basis have said that this this sport has done a very very good job in alienating its fan base and pissing them off to the point where they don't want to watch anymore, again Adam is a fine example of that, he no longer watches NASCAR and he was a hardcore NASCAR head in the UK for many many years and like again making politically charged statements like this saying that Drivers could lose jobs over protesting. Yeah, is it's a, I it's a horrible exact, look. I have the exact quote here mm-hmm. from both team owners. So Richard Petty said, "Anybody that don't stand up ought to be out of the country." Period. If they don't appreciate where they're at, what they got, what the, what they got them where they. Oh my God! It's so hard to read Richard Petty's like. What transcript. got them where they're at? The United <laughs> what, States. What got them where and, they're at? The United States. <laughs> And from Richard Childress, um, who said that any protest from his team members would get you a ride on a Greyhound bus. You don't have to look too far into that. Now, what's very interesting is that, you know, a lot of these drivers have ironclad contracts that could uh, could probably go to court if uh, they actually pulled the trigger on this. Yeah, it's not like the NFL. Yes, in fact, Richard Petty Motorsports uh, majority order Andy Merstein has already had to come in and say that he would actually not fire an employee protest. Um, so he's having to do his team's second PR spin and cleanup job in a month after the team lost their their primary sponsor for 2018. Yeah. There's also an interesting wrinkle into this is that Richard Petty Motorsports recently signed a full-time deal for one Daryl Wallace Jr., the only black driver who prominently races in the NASCAR's top-level series. Great look, guys. Great friggin' like, look. Like, the the weird thing said, like, even though Andy Mercy said he wouldn't fire anyone over it, he when it came out and said that taking a knee would be the wrong thing to do. Yeah, like, like the, that statement wasn't much better. Like, I'm just saying, like, he, he would still chastise and criticize an employee for taking a knee, like, like, like saying that's the wrong thing to do. It's it's barely an improvement on saying somebody would lose their job over it, quite frankly. NASCAR released a statement about this a few, a few hours ago at the time. We're recording this on Monday night on the September 25th. And NASCAR's statement was, and I quote, see if you can spot the key word here, by the way. Sports are a unifying influence in our society, bringing people of differing backgrounds and beliefs together. Our respect for the national anthem has always been a hallmark of our pre-race events. Thanks to the sacrifices of many, we live in a country of unparalleled freedoms and countless liberties, including the right to peacefully express one's opinion. Is there anything more of a nothing burger statement than that right there? <laughs> like, it means uh, nothing! <laughs> like, at, at first, like, oh, I was like, at first it was like, oh, this sounds nice, until I got to that last, like, line, including, and I'm like... Whoa, 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 whoa. Like, what What did I just read here? <laughs> it's like, what are you trying to say here, NASCAR? Are you saying that, like, oh, good, like, you, you could peacefully express your opinion. Yeah, we kind of knew that. <laughs> your sport has roots in your earliest heroes basically making a living, breaking the law, and now you want to galvanize yourself around the 
insane worship of police and every troublesome statement that comes with it. Yeah, like, like, oh my god, Do- Donald Trump, like, in the 1920s would be, like, the most pro-temperance, like, presidents ever. He would be, like, because, like, in real life, Donald Trump does, like... Donald Trump is so hypocritical because he doesn't drink alcohol, but he owns a winery. Yeah. Just... But yeah, he would be completely on the like, we need to ban all, all alcohol, prohibition bandwagon, y'all. We need Also, those bootleggers down south, we just shut them down, arrest them right now. They're a threat to this country. Yeah, brief tangent as well. It's been happening in the sports journal. Look what happened with Jamel Hill last week as well, where Jamel Hill like on Sports Center openly called Donald Trump a white supremacist, and ESPN had to apologize, um, basically to cover their own asses because again, Jamel Hill came under fire for basically calling Donald Trump what he is. Quite frankly, no, no. What, what? Honestly, what made that moment was Donald Trump responded on Twitter saying that ESPN should fire Jamel Hill. Yeah, the well, White House itself said it should fire one person for calling Donald Trump a white supremacist. Democracy, everybody! <laughs> this is what we're dealing with right now. This is, like, again, like, anybody that wants to still say to me that stick, to stick to sports, that phrase is dead. D-E-D, dead! <laughs> it it's is... been dead for several decades, though. It, it, it should be. Like, for me, as a modern, like, you know, quote unquote millennial. For me, Stick to Sports died on September the 11th, 2001. And it's, for me, that was the moment. At least for, as a modern guy that was born in 92. Um, but, like, you're right. Like, it's it's one of those things where sports and politics have gone hand in hand for decades. Even going, like for me personally, going as far back as something like Jesse Owens winning four gold medals at Hitler's Games. Like, we we still bring all that shit up, but hey, don't you dare talk about politics in your sports. Sports are your escape from this world. Politics and NASCAR are nothing nothing new either. Remember, NASCAR did hand out, eventually rescinded, lifetime bans to two of their most popular drivers for trying to unionize. One of those band drivers was Curtis Turner, NASCAR Hall of Famer, maybe the coolest NASCAR driver of all time, according to SB Nation Spencer Hall, who tell, who retold some very interesting stories about the great Curtis Turner, one of the greatest drivers of the 50s, who once flew a plane under low-hanging power lines to get booze for a party in a dry county that was 200 miles away. Curtis Turner carried a gun, <laughs> and sometimes he needed it in the pits. To quote this story from Ken Chapin's classic Curtis Lives from the 1968 Archives of Sports Illustrated, fights were frequent. Lee Turner clubbed Curtis Turner with a tire iron in one dispute, and once a driver named Bobby Myers came after Turner with a billy club. Pops, <laughs> aka Curtis Turner, pulled out a 32 pistol and said, Bobby, if I was you, I'd lay that club down. Curtis, old man, said Myers, I'm just looking for a place to put it. There's also a wonderful story about how Curtis Turner wrecked a rental car. Uh, old Joe, we run together quite a bit. Joe as in the late two-time champion Joe Weatherly, who was killed in Atson and Riverside International Speedway in defense and trying to go for his third straight title. Old Joe, we run together quite a bit, Turner said, and got drunk together, partied together. One night after race, Joe and I was about tuned. We got two you drive-its. So Joe and I going down this four-lane road, and he just come over and hit me with that you drived it and just stepped on the side of it. And when I did cut over, cut all the way over, and I come back and hit him. 
And then we'd spread apart and get on the holder, shoulder, one on one and one on the other, and come back and hit just as hard as we could. They're beating and banging fenders on a public road in rental cars, my dude. <laughs> Oh my god, that is like something like out of like Days of Thunder. <laughs> that's ridiculous. This uh, week I mean, on the Dukes like, of Hazard. <laughs> that's that's one of the things that I always like to point out about NASCAR, and it, it was like strangely enough one of the like main themes in Talladega Nights about Ricky Bobby, where like NASCAR used to be extremely anti-establishment, but now they're in this period where they have to come to terms that they are the establishment now. Yep. They are... they are an establishment that is failing as yes. their ratings are sinking. IndyCar's ratings, remember, IndyCar's television ratings have um, been cratering since the split. Yeah, lest, um, lest they're we actually forget, on the up and up. Lest, lest we forget, in the early 90s, they were in the situation where NASCAR was now, where they were like this just, you know, small town Midwestern dirt track boys that evolved into this like massive multi-nation enterprise and then they pretty much blew themselves up <laughs> yeah to say the least it's 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 not been pretty and let's and again as we mentioned on twitter earlier today like nascar is still the face of american motorsports by a country mile like the, the, their tv coverage even in even at their worst is still bigger than formula one and indycar combined Oh, uh, it's it's more than twice. It's double yeah. F1 and IndyCar combined in U.S. viewership. Yeah, there's there's no getting around that. And if NASCAR is seemingly to dig itself in a deeper and deeper hole when it comes to its you know its political views and how it's perceived, then they're boned to say the least. And yeah, yeah like yeah, like as much as we talked about how NASCAR's playoff ratings were tremendously low if indycar had those ratings we'd be like we're in a boom period the 90s are back y'all yeah right. bring back cartness <laughs> i uh i want to interject with two statements from very from two very prominent people inside the nascar community who have not been as you know callous the first is uh jeff gluck very mm-hmm. very well-known writer who has said in the end of his piece on NASCAR anthem protest and team owners titled A Difficult Day to Be in NASCAR. He says, out front, the ranks of NASCAR fans have dwindled over the last decade, so let's not shut more people out. Let's try to make NASCAR a place where all are welcome. But that has to be done through a conscious effort to embrace he- people who don't think the same as us. If that doesn't happen, NASCAR will just end up as its own island. Should that be the case, the sport's future is grim. The second, from probably, from its most popular driver, even after he retires at the end of the season, Dale Earnhardt Jr., who simply quoted from John F. Kennedy, former president of the United States, all Americans are granted rights to peaceful protest. Those who make people peaceful revolution impossible will make violent revolution inevitable, which is not the most profound statement in the grand scheme of things, but in context, it's very profound, especially coming from the face of the sport. Yeah, and you know, like, to, like it's, I know it's a very modern phrase, but of, of Dale Junior staying woke. But um, Dale, nah, I mean, J- Dale Junior has been woke. He's been woke for a very, <laughs> very long time. Like Dale Junior, his, his entire family has been woke. Dale Senior was one of the most prominent, was probably the most prominent figure in the sport on his time and his earth, and he was really one of the few guys who was out who was openly against uh, displays of the Confederate flag at races. Mm-hmm. 
and it only took until last year when the Confederate flag was actually banned at NASCAR events. And, you know, that's how often far behind NASCAR can be in terms of progressive takes, which is the same because we mentioned before, like, in terms of drivers, in terms of inclusion where that's concerned, they're one of the better series for it with people like Daniel Suarez on the rise. So it, it makes it doubly disappointing that so many prominent figures within itself is still being so antiquated with their with their views and their stances on the world as it is and like when one when one of its most legendary names is coming out here saying you know somebody could lose a job for their for their political beliefs that is taking us back decades and that doesn't help anybody it makes the situation even more toxic and it makes me never want to watch an ascot because like that, it's it's like me watching the NFL now. Like I've watched Red Zone for the first time this week, knowing that the NFL is such a toxic organization, and I felt bad watching it sometimes. But it's the same deal with NASCAR, and it keeps doing shit like this, making some of its you know just shitty views you know front and center. It doesn't make me want to watch it, and like clearly, I'm not alone in that stance right now, given their viewership and given how many outsiders are looking in for NASCAR right now. And for me, like, welcome to 2017, because this is how our sports are going to be digested now, whether certain people like it or not. May the good Lord help us all. <laughs> oh, dear. But hey, on a brighter note, Marco Andretti got married this weekend. So, you know. Hey! hey! You know, oh. People got turnt in Nazareth, Pennsylvania this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> shout out, shout outs to Marco Andretti for marrying the public transportation system of Atlanta. <laughs> name's Marta. Yes, the name's name Marta. Marta. Yep. Yeah, congratulations to Marco. Shout out! You to know his... their kid is. You know their kid is going to be the next chosen one in about twenty to twenty-five years. Yeah, you know, you know damn well. Yeah, we're uh, we're gonna be st- uh, like. Hopefully, we're still doing this podcast in that amount of time. Maybe who knows? I, I, I'd like to think we could. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? And like, welcome <laughs> to episode one thousand four hundred and eighty-six of Motorsport One Hundred and One. <laughs> I'm on yeah, the to talk about Mario Andretti the second. Yeah, with, with with our new guest host Ryan King Jr. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh dear. So you know, I, I had to end keeping it one on one on a slightly brighter note, I suppose. But uh, yeah, um, if you're one of those guys that doesn't like me sticking to sports, um, sorry about that. Sorry about the last forty five minutes. Um, my bad. Um, <laughs> but let's get into an extended version of the news. to talk about in the big two because IndyCar season is over and Malaysia's <laughs> not till next week. It, 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 would this be a good time to shamelessly plug Mike Live? I think it would be. Um, yes, yeah. yes, you can You can get early access to Bike Live if you subscribe to Motorsport 101 and Patreon. Yes, you get two uh, podcasts for the price of one. You get it early. You in, get to hear the bike equivalent of this show. And oh with my god, Aragon MotoGP this weekend was crazy! It was lit! <laughs> it was amazing. Like, on a, on a serious note here, like, 
Aragon was an unbelievable weekend of bike racing. I actually shitposted a Ski Sunday video because Moto3 was that crazy at the end. Go Joanne Mir for basically becoming a skier down the back of Aragon's one kilometre straight. Um, but seriously, Aragon was fantastic. If you haven't listened to Black Live yet, go out of your way to do so this weekend. Me and Lewis are going to you know, shoot the shit over Aragon and it's going to be great. Um, and an unbelievable Aragon race um, in MotoGP. Again, another just... MotoGP is just killing it so hard this season. It's been uh, it's been fantastic. Jorge Lorenzo led again. And he didn't give it up straight away this time either. It was great. Lorenzo was up the front. Marquez was fantastic as usual. Valentino Rossi, who had come back from a broken leg just 22 days prior, raced and was competitive Qualified on the front row and finished in the top five. The man is unbelievable. Um, by, by, like by I any said measure. on Twitter, move over, John Cena. Yeah, the man is literally invincible. Like, like he had apparently he had an enormous titanium pin keeping his leg in one piece, and and very nearly was taken out by Tito Rabat in the one which had everybody in Aragon clenching their buttocks intensely. He's like, Tito, what are you doing? Um, but um, Valentino Rossi was unbelievable. It, it, it was competitive. It was fantastic. A rare sighting of Danny Pedrosa's top-tier pace as well. He was up there as well. He was great. Alicia Spangaro running in the top five for a good while as well. It was a leading group of everyone, which, which in MotoGP is almost like... You know, that almost never happens. Um, and all three races were superb. The MotoGP race was great. Moto2 was awesome. We had a fantastic Frankie Morbidelli versus Matteo Pacini fight, which went pretty much the entire... It was a great tactical fight as well. I mean, given their tyres and the tyre wear and how they kept bobbing back and forth and how Miguel Oliveira was almost there as well, ready to pounce if anything happened between the front two. And Moto3 was, well... Moto3, to say the least. Joe Amir wins again, but the story behind it was a lot more fun, to say the least, and it was what was a 13-lap sprint race. Check it out on Bike Live later this week if you haven't already, where me and Lewis will break that all down. Meanwhile, because we go into the news bag for the, for the week, um, oof, we got this news today, and it was kind of one of those, like, you know, worst-kept secret sort of situations in Formula 1, but... Uh, RJ, Red Bull Racing has a new title sponsor for next year. It's Aston Martin. It's Aston Martin Red Bull Racing, a team that is essentially its own title sponsor, now has another title sponsor. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they've grown. <laughs> Such good boys. Um, they've now got Aston Martin as a title sponsor for the 2018 season. It's It doesn't surprise many people, given they've had a partnership for some time in you know producing road car projects and basically giving Adrian... It's Newey been one year, Dre. It's been, like, one year. It feels like a lot longer, <laughs> if I'm being frank. But, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, basically giving Adrian Newey his own toy box has uh, opened the door for things like interesting road car projects and whatnot. So Aston Martin are clearly taking that one step further next year. By having them as a title sponsor, which has raised a few eyebrows from the analytical side of the F1 world, because um, King, who's making their engines next year? <laughs> um, Tag Heuer. <coughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, like yeah, Tag Heuer. <clears throat> yeah, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, elbow, elbow, etc. 
it's interesting because it's 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 like well we know that they're Renault power units but not really because like Red Bull don't want to make engines and Aston Martin has said they don't want to make engines so who's working on their engine next year King help me out here this doesn't make any sense um, well uh as much as Aston Martin has said that they they don't want to build F1 engines a part of this arrangement there's going to be uh an advanced performance center that will be built on Red Bull's campus in Milton Keynes, and it will house over a hundred employees to help the development of Red Bull and Aston Martin's next supercar project and foster closer collaboration between the two brands. And I'm like, they're hmm. not going to be working on only that supercar. I was like, wait a minute, that sounds a little like engine production to me. Like, <laughs> am I missing something here? <laughs> something doesn't quite add up here, guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a feeling they're still going to be running Renault engines, but I have a feeling they're going to maybe try to get a deal to try to modify and get their own in-house you know, parts and upgrades on them. Which you know is interesting because um, Aston Martin have uh, an engine deal of their own on the road car side of things. That's oh with Mercedes AMG, <laughs> yes, yes. who, uh, if you do not remember, around uh, late 2015, Red Bull were really, really desperate to get out of that Renault engine deal and into some nice Mercedes AMG powered units. And Mercedes was just like, <laughs> nope, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no, no. You're telling me the team that won four straight constructors championships between 2010 and 2013 was like, oh no, let's give them the one thing they need a good power unit. Uh, uh, no, <laughs> like, like, come on now, you can't be this stupid. Uh, like, like Christian Horner actually thought they could get a Ferrari or a Merck's power unit. That still makes me laugh to this day. Um, so yeah, that's interesting to say the least. Um, like, again, from what you said there, King, that sounds a lot like engine development to me. Um, uh, um, it, it, it looks like they're going to be trying to build stuff in house because. Like, everyone's kind of, like, backed away from the elephant in the room, which is who's making these engines. Yeah, um, pretty much, like, uh, Aston Martin's president CEO, Andy Palmer. No relation to Jolene. Uh, <laughs> Had to get that one in, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, said, uh, the power unit discussions are of interest to us, but only if the circumstances are right. Good luck with that. Does yeah. he know how expensive these engines are to make? <laughs> Oh, there's a second part of this quote. We are not about to en enter an engine war with no restrictions in cost or, or dynamometer hours. But we believe that if the FIA can create the right environment, we would be interested in getting involved. <laughs> oh, it's the old, if the FIA made things better, we have no problem taking part card. But every manufacturer that's had even a passing interest in F1 has said over the last decade. <laughs> A.K.A. If the if Ferrari doesn't completely screw us over from entering the sport. <laughs> <laughs> like, see, I love having King on the show because he speaks fluent F1 politician. It's great. <laughs> it's very useful. Um, oh, dear. <laughs> Yeah, because we've seen the stories in the past of people like Porsche trying to enter Formula One before Ferrari's like, Haha, "Play by our rules, or you're not, or we're just going to veto this shit." Basically, no, um, no. Remember, remember, we weren't supposed to be running V6s right now. We were supposed to be running inline fours, but Ferrari gangster. said, uh, "No, no." 
<laughs> and then Volkswagen was like, okay, we're out. We're out. If we're not running inline fours, we're out. Yeah, we want none of this shit, basically. Um, and unlike Red Bull, they actually stuck to their word and didn't actually take part in the end. Good for them. Because, <laughs> you know, like, like Red Bull were totally going to pay the half a billion to, to, you know, give up on their Concord agreement, right? You know, they can... Like, Matrix can just pull that out of his back pocket in the sofa, right? You know, that's all nope. the money. Um, well, well, let's... Let's be perfectly clear. He probably could. He just doesn't. He just doesn't want to. He doesn't yeah. want to get up off that couch. He doesn't want to have to look for the wallet under the couch. Mm-hmm. He's got to get up. And his back hurts, and he's been doing the lawn for twelve hours. And he's sunburned. His face is all red. And he's just cranky, and he just wants to sit down and watch some Georgia football. Go dogs! <laughs> <laughs> like the man is worth ten billion dollars. Like. <laughs> 500 yeah, mil, went. 500 mil ain't shit to him. If he was, if he, if he really, really wanted to get out that bad, he just, he just wanted to kick up a stink, really, more than anything but, but, else. Like he, he's, he's got way too many fingers, way too many pies. He, he got two Formula One teams. He sponsors four MotoGP bikes. This is just like way too much. Yeah, he's got too big a tyrannical grip on motorsport in Europe on that level at the moment to worry about a good half a bill. But, um, yeah. Aston Martin, Red Bull Racing, coming to a bronze medal position near you in the 2018 Formula 1 season. Good luck, guys! Um, at <laughs> least they're not Eric Boulier promising wins out of the gate. <laughs> oh, dear God. <laughs> Eric, Eric, I love your yes. ambition, but no! <laughs> at McLaren, Eric Boulier has promised that, that McLaren with Renault Power will get at least one win next year. You're not even the best Renault-powered car on the grid right now. Come on! <laughs> like, like, M- M- McLaren, like, they have to tell him the days of 2008 are long. <laughs> like, even the days of 2012 are long gone for McLaren. Like, like, listen, if you're McLaren, you should be thinking for next year. If it were me, I'd be saying regular top sixes. But the shareholders don't want to hear that shit now, do they? Whoa, whoa. They're McLaren. They only have, like, one shareholder they have to answer to. And they they rule a country. Yeah. I, I wonder how they're feeling about this right now. It's like, yeah, this will be the know. end. <laughs> I don't know. I think they're too busy counting their money like Scrooge McDuck in the intro of DuckTales at the moment. But, um, <laughs> like... The company's not going to want to hear top six finishes, given McLaren has not won a Grand Prix now in nearly five years. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think we talked about this uh, during the I think last week's episode where we talked about Carlos Sainz moving, mm. where uh, where a part of the the deal for McLaren to run Honda, uh, well, for McLaren to run Renault Power was that. Uh, the their investors, a Bahraini royal family, will cover the cost to run the team next year. But, but during that time, they need to find a new title sponsor to make up for that. You know, the the Honda shaped void that the Bahraini royal family are currently filling. So, who would title sponsor? Like, like, this is not like McLaren has struggled again to have a title sponsor because they kind of didn't have one when they came when the hybrids came around in 2014 either. So it's actually a proven record that McLaren has really struggled to find title sponsors lately. Their brand is not the quote-unquote Manchester United that Ron Dennis was labeling it as three years ago. 
Uh-oh. <laughs> this could be I, a problem. I don't know. I don't know. Especially when you have, like, teams like Red Bull is like, double title sponsors, y'all. Yeah, boy. <laughs> All the car sponsors want a piece of the Red Bull marketing pie. Um, uh, like, how many teams even have title sponsors nowadays? Like, damn. They are like, screwed. That is like a pool of diminishing returns right now in F1, especially given that McLaren right now is the definition of midfield cheese. Um, well, actually, that might be generous for them right now, given they're, what, ninth in the Constructors' Championship at the moment. Okay. <laughs> yeah, by my count, only... Oh, my God. I think it might actually be... Uh, with this deal, it'd be Williams, uh, Mercedes... And Red Bull. Not Force India? Aren't they technically Sahara Force India? Uh, yes, but it's not, like, it's kind of like a known thing where, like, Sahara are really, like, late on payments, and they don't really pay the team much money at all. Oh, I, I see. It's like a title That's spot. why BWT is there. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's a title sponsor in, in like, name only, basically. Um, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Pretty much, like, they have a contract. They're an Indian company, so it would look really bad for them to just, like, hey, you're not paying us. Um, we want to terminate our contract. And it's like, but we're, we're both Indian companies. Yeah, that wouldn't be a good look, would it? <laughs> So yeah, like the, the the era of the title sponsor in Formula One is kind of dying off as as we speak. So yeah, good luck with that one again, McLaren. Um, yeah, let's let's, let's F one should move into the IndyCar era where they should just like forget title sponsors. We're just sponsoring individual cars at this point. Yeah, can we just have like multiple like F one liveries over the course of an entire season, like IndyCar does? That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like, I want a GoPro-branded McLaren next year. <laughs> oh, dear. That, that, at least that'll be fun, you know. Yeah. Stuffy F1, get some different colored liveries again, you know. And, like, you never know what you're going to get. Like, hey, imagine it is DLC for the F1 games, King. You know. Oh, my God. You, you, you can buy an alternative tour also livery. Like, you can have it like Arab style. Like, you could buy, like, a... Like a Red Bull Light branded like Toro Rosso car. Mm. Like, I, I love how you said buy there. Not like that instance is like, it's officially licensed. It's in, like, they ran it this year. You should be able to just get it for free. Nah, nah. Buy it. I'm, I'm sorry, King. I'm far too cynical over the games industry these <laughs> days. I can't help myself. <laughs> it's like, I'm too cynical to think they would give it away for free. It's like, yeah, premium DLC pack. Buy some skins for the Force <laughs> India car. Like, like, yeah, we're gonna charge a fiver to have like the 2009 Force India livery on there or some shit. <laughs> yeah. So, like, prove me wrong, Cody's. I know you listen to the show. <laughs> yes, I'm looking at you. Um, but uh, yeah, that that that'd be fun. But you know, title sponsors, we gotta love them, right? Yeah, we talked but... about one. Of them, we talked about one of them earlier, King Williams. Yeah. Williams Martini Racing, who, you know, kind of could be in another senior driver pickle at the end of the season, given that, you know, Felipe Massa hasn't actually tied his name down for next season yet, despite the fact he wants to stay, but he also wants to be loved. He wants to have a water bottle before he goes to bed. He wants snuggles with Rob <laughs> Smedley. You know, he, he he wants another gift of a car for next year, maybe, and then maybe Felipe will put his name down for the 2018 season. Um, yeah. but, but in the meantime... They could have alternative options because uh, King, he, his name's not going away, is he? 
Yeah, part, part of me, when when I heard you say that, it's like, I just pictured Felipe Moss and just turning it to Rob Smedley. It's like, Rob, you don't love me like you used to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. The fan fiction. <laughs> the fan fiction is being written as we speak. The Massa Mafia is, is, is furiously picked up their pencils as we speak. Um, love you, Catherine. Love you, Catherine. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> what what have we just done? <laughs> but okay, back on track. Um, yeah. Uh, at Williams, they're in, a, they're in a situation where they've said that they have a short list down to three drivers. And we know who the three drivers are. We know it's Felipe Massa, who have said it's Williams are nothing at all for his Formula 1 career. Uh, we have super sub Paul DeResta. And Oof. we have the comeback, can we call him a kid? The comeback kid, Robert Kavika. The the, the, com- the comeback large adult son who's 33 in January. <laughs> yeah. Robert is not going away, and apparently he has earned himself a Williams test. Yep. He's uh <laughs> He's got he's got a uh, he's got a simulator test planned. Um, Williams are taking a seriously serious look and evaluating him for a 2018 drive. His initial test with Renault did pretty well, just not Renault, well enough for Renault to sign him <laughs> over Carlos Sainz. Yeah, That's a smart move. Yeah, very good smart. Idea. Very good idea. Very good idea. Like no friggin' brainer. Like hello. <laughs> <laughs> Like, no, I'm not going to praise Renault for signing one of the eight best drivers in Formula 1. What a genius move to bring Carlos Sainz in for a year. Like, no fucking shit, guys. Like, um, but yes, Robert Gibbitzer is in for, uh, at least for a simulator test at Williams. And um, we all know of Williams' current pickle. They have an alcohol sponsor as, as, as their title sponsor. They have a Challenge 25 policy. So they need at least one driver over the age of 24 to make this work, which immediately rules out talented youngsters like Daniel Kvyat, Pascal Verlein, etc. So they have to have at least one senior guy in the car. Felipe Massa is basically old enough for his bus pass at this point, and again, like Williams, kind of want him back, but Felipe Massa's like, mm, like, kind he's on the fence about it again. It's like he wants to feel appreciated. He wants snuggles, um, and Williams kind of isn't really giving that to him right now because they're kind of all in with Lance Stroll. Smart move, um, but that's their current pickle right now. But. I mean, King, would you take Robert over Felipe Massa right now? Even a slightly washed Felipe Massa? Because like, I see Massa like the Carmelo Anthony of Formula 1 at this point. Like, He's a little bit over the hill, but he's oh, still solid. that's too soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just had to deal with losing my man. Well, he wasn't really my man, but now that he's gone, he's my man. You mean your man's wasn't posing guard? <sighs> yes, he, he's, my, he's my main. The unicorn is my main guy. But yeah, back back on topic, ignoring your statement about the New York Knicks trading a player away. I had to do it. I had to do it. I was like, I'm going to sting King of a Mellow reference and, he, and he's going to hate me for it. But Okay. Mm. I, I'd say if they have Felipe, it's only for two years at most. Right. Robert, maybe you could have him around for four years. Like... You're in a situation where no matter who you pick up, you're going to be dropping them in like a couple years' time. Yeah, because you, you, surely you're going to want to open the door for a, like a solid midfield guy who might have 
just got over that 25 cliff at some point. Whether it might be, say, Kvyat, it could be someone like Verline in three years' time, because he's 22 right now. Like, who knows? Verline might not even be in the sport next year. Jesus freaking Christ, I hate F1 so much sometimes. <laughs> like, you're telling me that Pascal's got a good chance of not being on the grid next year? I hate you, F1. Like, what did Pascal ever do to you? Um, but, yeah, this do you, is... This do you know who's going to be... 25 by the start of the 2019 Formula 1 season. Oh. Antonio Giovinazzi. Ah. Hmm. Mm. That's an interesting name. If yes, he's not is... if, if he's not really driving for Sauber next year, which if he's is He's not already and... driving for Sauber, but I'm pretty sure like if he was driving at Sauber, going to Williams is a definite step up. Oh yeah. Like we all know Sauber right now is uh ungood to say the least. Um, it helps. It's, it's, that's a nice name to have there. Like, if Antonio can, you know, validate his spot in F1 at Sauber next year, because he had a mixed F1 debut weekend, to say the least, you know. The, the, yeah. the, the highs of Australia followed by the crippling lows of China. Um, it's it's the, all the Antonio Giovinazzi stock wagon took a, took a nosedive after China. But, um... You know they have Charles Leclerc, though, King. They could have Charles Leclerc. <laughs> Exciting yeah. times, yo! Exciting times. Exciting times. You could have both. You that, could that have is, both. That is true. That is true. Other silly season rumors. The rumor mill is winding up that um, one Marcus Ericsson might actually not be in in Formula One next year. What? Mm. How? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess. Like, our responses bored, like, and then like we get, we're taking our talents to, to to like a returning manner or something. I don't know. P- part of me feels that like one day Sergio Marchionne just you know wa- walked into Saber Hospitality, sat down, and gave Saber an offer that they could not refuse. Yeah, we're, the guys, we're just gonna buy you out at this point and make you our junior team, <laughs> like officially now like we've we've kind of hinted at this for the last 15 years now but we're finally gonna pull the trigger and actually do it now like okay like we know we kind of used you to bring up Felipe Massa and Kimi Raikkonen and you know you kind of we were, you were gonna give you jewels before that accident um yeah, we're just going to go all the way with this now, basically. That 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 would be fun, wouldn't it? Um, and next thing you know, they have an all-star Ferrari junior lineup of Antonio Giovinazzi and Charles Leclerc, and the internet smiles from ear to ear. <laughs> wouldn't yeah, they they were like, they were like, I don't know why we were so afraid of commitment. We should have just, you know, followed Marco's lead and be like, yeah, we're we're one hundred ten percent in this. The problem is, is that that Sauber team right now is heavily influenced by Marcus Ericsson, Swedish sponsors, and the fact that that basically Marcus's boys partly own the team. It's yeah. a problem. <laughs> oh, that's a problem. It's a, it's a problem. I mean, mm, mm, I, I feel for Pascal Verlot in this situation. Oh, God, so bad. <laughs> Oh man, I, I am pouring one out. Like me, like a, a good couple of mates, like a can of Iron Brew and um, Sinan. I know Sinan's a big fan of the show. Hi, Sinan. Um, yeah, basically the world's biggest Pascal Verline fan. Hi, Sinan. We see you um, <laughs> at this point. Like 
he even he said he doesn't feel like Pascal will be on, will be on the F1 grid next year, which is just all sorts of sad face because it's it's not even like Pascal had like a couple of disaster races or a PR scandal or anything on those sorts of lines. If anything, we were quite sympathetic towards him given he got hurt earlier this year and we all kind of realized, wait, we shit on this kid from a great height when he was legitimately really badly injured. <laughs> And he, you know, scored multiple points for Sauber and Manor, has done nothing but good things in an F1 car since his debut, might be out of the sport next year. Yeah, he could be, again, he could be in that Felipe Nasser type situation where it's like, you did everything to keep your job, but man, oh man... The, the, I, them, I miss Felipe Nazar. Yeah, them them political playing cards just did not fall down in the right order for you. And what is, you know, you know he's uh, you know he's going to be over twenty five next year, right? Yeah, Nazar's going to be over twenty five next year. Oh, dear God! I, I, I just bring that up because you know Nazar was also pegged to be Felipe Massa's replacement. <sighs> just as long as we don't call him Fred. Please, we, oh please. Crofty, we're looking at you. Um, that is something yeah. I'd expect from, like, a colonial American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Crofty letter. You just got double down on it at least. Just call him, like, Fast Freddy if you're going to do that shit. Nah, nah, oh, wait, I, still, I still remember. In, in New England, in, like, the, in the 1600s, you know, these English colonists fought a war against this Native American chief called Medicom. But instead of... Instead of calling, you know, the war against Medicom, Medicom's war, they called it King Philip's war. They decided, oh, we're just going to call him Philip. Listen, I know I'm the only Englishman on this show now, okay? Could you you please not try to drag my ancestors so hard, okay? (laughs) Like, listen, I'm sorry for being English, man. (laughs) We got all your bad habits from you, Dad. (laughs) Sorry, okay? Like, I'm too busy trying to clean up their mess, okay? I mean, like, as I see Theresa May give a Brexit speech the other day that was basically another enormous nothing burger. God damn it! Um, etc. But, uh, yeah. City season is fun, yo. Like, somebody please give Pascal Verlein a job next year. And while you're at it, can somebody give Mika Calio a job in MotoGP while we're at it? Okay, thanks. Oh, yeah. Calio deserves a job, goddammit. Yes, sir. Like, someone give Cal- Sorry, Bradley Smith. I love you, Bradley Smith, a lot. But, like, you just not been very good this year. Sad face. Oh God. If, if, if 2019, if KTM's lineup is Mark Marquez and Mika Calio, oh my God. King will be watching every race of a bottle of baby lotion and some tissues. <laughs> You've been warned, yo. You've been warned. Yeah, like, Lewis, I completely expect that clip to be in this week's episode of Bike Live. <laughs> I uh I uh I just finished the uh the FI World Endurance Championship Fan Insight uh survey for 2017 just to get myself free tickets. It's uh it's very interesting. Wait, wait, what? You can get free yeah. tickets? Yeah. Why did nobody you, tell me this before? <sighs> yep. Uh VIP tickets if all you have to do is just take a survey on Motorsport Network that um asks such wonderful questions are are, is celebrity exposure and crashes and danger <laughs> essential to your viewing of the World Endurance Championship? Sigh. Um, that sounds like Formula One, 
in a Formula One context, that sounds good because that race is only like two hours. If if someone crashes out like first corner of a six hour race, that's a bad time. That's a really bad time. <laughs> uh, shut up to the WEC because you know raised eyebrows and collective sighs. The only thing that makes me sigh harder about watching the WEC and things like that is basically Guido van der Gaard's Twitter account at this point. If 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 F one and dad jokes came together, it would be Guido van der Gaard's Twitter account. Why does any of you people still follow him? He's not I, funny. He stopped used, being funny some time ago. <laughs> I used to like that man when he was a driver at Caterham. Ever since he left the sport, man oh man, I can't stand Guido van der Gaard. Professional court jester Guido van der Gaard. At this point, I just want to kick him in the junk. It's like, stop trying to be funny. It stopped working two years ago when you had that failed Sauber experiment. Get out! You could you could have gotten an LMP2 drive. You're a European Le Mans Series champion, my dude. Sigh. Speaking of scaling back, IndyCar news dropped out a couple, a oh, couple of days ago. <laughs> See, I did that. I'm so good at these segues. Um, Chip Ganassi announced that he is scaling his team back for the 2018 IndyCar season from four cars, wait, to two? Oh, oh, okay, this is interesting. Basically, it's going to be how we kind of predicted. Chip Ganassi is keeping Scott Dixon and basically clearing house for everybody else. <laughs> yes. Good. Along with the not, cut down, the house isn't even going to be vacated. They're not going to get anybody to rent that house. They're just knocking it down and putting in off-street parking. <laughs> yep. Along with cutting two cars, that includes the uh, the dismissal of forty staff members at Chip Ganassi Racing. Like there are hmm. a lot of experienced IndyCar employees that are now available for employment. Hit, hit, nudge, nudge. We'll get to that later. Yes. Uh, we'll mention that in a bit. But, uh, yeah, four to two cars for Chip Ganassi. Um, obviously, Scott Dixon is being retained because do I even need to explain why? He's Scott friggin' Dixon. Um, he's the man. Like, I love that Joseph Newgon won the title in IndyCar still releasing articles along the line of, is Scott Dixon still the pound-for-pound pound number one? Yeah, probably. <laughs> but, you know, it's one of those things. Um but yeah, the ship is scaling back, and it seems, King, that the heavy rumors are hinting at Brendan Hartley taking the seat for next year. That would be Mark Webber, protege, former World Endurance Driver champion, and reigning 24 Hours of Le Mans winner, Brendan Hartley. Who has so, great uh, hair. Who has pretty awesome hair, and mm-hmm. a single-seater racing pedigree, was a former Red Bull Junior Team prospect. Again... Red Bull Junior Team standards are so exact that they've made more successful failures than they have successful successes at the Formula One level. Oh my god. <laughs> yep, this is what we're dealing with here, people. So yeah, Brendan is a executive high-class rookie, possibly on the table for next year. Like, like right now, if this was like, if Zoe was here, we'd be, we'd be pushing the Fernando Alonso rumor button right now. Like, Claxon, we haven't mentioned Alonso yet! <laughs> But it's looking like Alonso staying for another year because, god damn it, he's a masochist. <laughs> but um, but he'll be a masochist with a slightly more reliable engine, just as long as he doesn't get Matt Verstappen's input on it. Mm. 
He's been running those engine revs too high again, hasn't he, King? He's been playing too much F1 2017. Rich mix all the way, damn it. No, I do have to mention there is a quote in Racer on Racer.com from one mm-hmm. of the one of the employees from Chip Ganassi Racing that did get laid off. Uh, quote, I got laid off at four forty five PM. I got oh, this is the chief mechanic at Chip Ganassi. Who he'll be back next year, but he's talking about one of the experiences and what, you know, people expect when they get laid off. So I got laid off at 4.45 once, so, so I know how some of those guys feel. But good news is that Andretti, Rahal, and some other teams are hiring, so I think a lot of our guys had job offers before they left the building, and that made me feel good. <laughs> Said uh, Ricky Davis, who's chief mechanic at, at Chip Ganassi Racing. Gotcha. <laughs> oh, boy. So... Yep, team, teams out there are hiring, so that's only good news. Indeed. And, yes. you know, with with Chip having two less cars, that's a lot of potential chassis not being used that, you know, could be picked up by somebody else. Right, Trevor Carnan? Yes. As in this, oh. in this, in this very article, last line... Uh, talking about the people who are definitely not coming back next year. Quote, Chilton is expected to start his own team with Trevor Carlin and will be taking some of his Chip Ganassi racing crew with him while Kanan is lining up some of the number 10 team to join him at AJ Foyt in 2018. Oh, God. Who are they going to cut out of AJ Foyt racing if they're going to bring Tony Kanan in? Like, mm, it's looking like... Carlos Munoz is getting the chop. No! A boy! A minion! Carlos! No! Our very first interview. <laughs> you know how conflicting this is knowing that, like, the two guys of White Moose, I mean, Carlos Munoz, very nice guy, and our first guest on this podcast, and Connor Daly, who we all just kind of back and love on the, like, like, this is so hard, you guys. Like, we like them both. Like, and Daly finished the year really strong as well, which didn't exactly help matters, did it? <laughs> also, I do love on Racer's IndyCar section, they have it here as headline news. Uh, Mahindra retain Rosenquist and Heidfeld informally. <laughs> Damn oh, it! <laughs> yeah, in case, you were, in case you had forgotten, Felix Rosenquist was one of those names that was also in the running for that now vacant Chip Ganassi seat. So it looks like his participation may be limited to just an Indianapolis 500. That's still more than enough. Yes. Felix Rosenquist is going to be very good in Formula E, y'all. He's going to yeah. be very good for he'll, a long, long time. He'll, he'll be tremendous in Formula E, but a, a part of me is a little bit of a sad face that we aren't getting driver for hire full-time in IndyCar next year because driver for hire, yo. <laughs> like... I, I love Felix, and you know, even if it's just the 500, that would still be great because Felix is a tremendous talent. Um, but yeah, we can we can chalk Felix's name out of the rumor mill at least for now. Um, again, as mentioned, Carlin looks like they looks like they're. They, I mean, Trevor's spoken about this, and it was the biggest non-committal statement straight out of the Ron Dennis playbook regarding the possibility or non-possibility of them being in IndyCar. Basically, saying, "Yeah, we're closer than ever, you guys," which doesn't really mean anything. 
Because, damn it, Trevor Carlin did not want to commit on anything. Like, I think it's... Like, part of me feel it's like... It's based on how much they can get from Chip Ganassi. How many staff they can hire. What equipment they can get. Like, I think it's down to that. Yeah. It's a start. So, you know, that could still be a thing. Um... Junkos Racing, let's not rule them out either. They said that earlier this week that, you know, 500 would be worst case scenario if they just ran the 500 next year. Um, it's clear they're aiming towards, you know, full-time aspirations for the series. Don't know if it'll be next season or not. We'll have to wait and see. There's still a lot of cogs at play in oh, the in the IndyCar season. Also, glancing at the Formula E calendar for next year, as it stands now, Rose, Felix Rosenquist would not be able to participate in the Indianapolis 500. Because, God damn it! Yeah, uh, the Tempelhof Ypres, it clashes with uh, qualifying for the Indianapolis 500. Whose bright <sighs> idea was that? <laughs> well, like Speaking what? of bad ideas in <laughs> Formula E, we have more driver announcements. Oh, God. Because um, well, Jaguar Racing or... Making a power play. They're, they got Nelsinho. They got Nelson Piquet Jr. Partner Mitch Evans. Um, depending on where you stand in motorsports fandom, this is either the most fun and outspoken and ruthless team ever, or this is the most irritating team ever, and you want to go to Jaguar Racing and just deck somebody. Let, let, let the record show I'm firmly on the camp of fuck Jaguar Racing right now for having the two my two least favorite drivers in the series on the same team. You had Noodle as a test driver <laughs> from the Gorillas. You no. couldn't have just brought her up. No, no. I'm all they're for the this. villains. They're the villains this year. They're going in like you've seen those. You've seen those Jaguar ads that they show here in the U.S. where it's like <laughs> they they parody the fact that that British like British actors always play villains in movies. They're yep. fully embracing that this year. Yeah, that annoys me, King, because I friggin' love that commercial. My boy Tom Hiddleston's <laughs> in there. It's like all the bad guys are played by Brits. Thank you, Mary. <laughs> As he takes another sip of tea, I'm like, God, this is so British. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but God, Mitch Evans and Nelson PK. Oh my God. <laughs> Pour one out for Josette's boy, Adam Carroll. Oh, <sighs> Ireland's Adam Carroll. Former A1 GP champ, Adam Carroll. <laughs> Former Andretti Autosport alumnus, Adam Carroll. Sigh. Yep. Sorry. I mean, he's he's the first victim of Formula E really ramping up their run of driver quality. Like when they started, they had a quality grid. Now it's just getting even like more and more competitive. Yeah, Which, to be fair, is what it should be. This mm-hmm. really should be a collection of some of the best drivers who are not in Formula One due to budget constraints or what have you. Meritocracy, RJ. Meritocracy. Get it right. <laughs> Call it what though, it is. Though it's like the haters on the internet will be quick to point out, be like, oh, if the driver quality is getting better, why is like Nico Pross still here and like well, Daniel App still here? I'm like, Nico Pross is like an extremely solid number two driver. Yeah, and Daniel App is decent in a podium level runner at many occasions last season. Like, I'm not the it, biggest Daniel App fan, but the guy is solid. Like, 
<laughs> on any like, level. Like, let's be clear here. During the closing rounds of that season, like, Edam's Renault secured the Constructors' Championship on the back of Nico Prost. Yeah, because Sebastian Wemmy, well, we all know what happened with him. Um, so, yeah, like, Formula E, yeah, they are putting together a hell of a grid now for next year, and... Just someone give Robin, just give race car Robbie a drive. Yes, please. Like, like, how on earth has, has Robin not been tied down by somebody for next year yet? That is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, well, there's certainly, like, uh, next dev, they still don't have anyone. Like, Andretti, technically, they still haven't signed anyone yet. Cheetah, they technically don't have anyone left. Like, to Cheetah, I'm surprised if they don't re-sign Jev. Uh, Venturi currently don't have any drivers signed. Like, there's still a lot of open seats left, and we're only like a week away from testing. God. So like that that that's that's a thing. Um, like we we we, we got to get Hazel on next week's show to talk about this now. <laughs> that's got to be a thing because yeah, that's a that's a lot of empties. I didn't realize they were testing next week, and there's still like half the grid's not been confirmed yet. Holy crap! <laughs> not pretty. Um, no. But yeah, somebody give Robin a goddamn seat, please. Like now, okay, thanks. Like because how on earth is Robin not been confirmed yet? The guy's a podium level runner at his best. Like how is that not a thing? What is no, wrong with you? I, I will go. I will go one up further. He has five championships in six full seasons of racing. He was the first guy to win three progressively harder single seater titles in three years. Yeah, yeah like if, he's if really good. For... If it wasn't for, you know, the the sponsorship issues, he'd probably be in Formula 1 right now. Yeah, like, he's a tremendous talent. Um, but again, like, Formula E seems to be diddy-dallying with that. Sad face. Oh, Jay, talk to me about him, sir. Um, I, uh, I, I, I gotta confess something here. I did not catch the IMSA race because I, uh, I was, uh, busy burying my head into some other substandard programming uh watching some uh, titles changes that should not have been changed uh and wow. some titles that should have been changed that actually did not change were you watching wrestling um, again rj uh yes i'm glaring Try, at my it, monitor as we speak <sighs> it's my it's my comfort food it, my comfort food is bad for me and it will cause me um tons of abdominal pain and will clog my arteries and you know what? I still can't get enough of it. King, you saw this though, right? Yes, you I saw did see it. I did see the the beatdown that, like, at first it seemed like I watched the first 45 minutes and I took a break, came back for about the last 45 minutes, and man, oh man, it was like the start of the race and the end of the race was in two completely different worlds. Because at the start of the race, you had Ricky Taylor in his Cadillac, Lapping like as soon, as soon as the flag dropped, he was going about a second, a second a lap quicker than everyone else. So by by lap three, he was three and a half seconds ahead of everyone else. I almost want to root for that car just because they have the Taylor Robbers in it because those those two are just amazingly like charismatic people. Like Jordan is one of like the best Twitter followers in all of motorsport. I've not mentioned this enough, and I will mention it again. Just as a side note, carry on, King. <laughs> oh my God! I had to get that out there. Uh, the guy jokes in the face of hurricanes. The guy is a good. <laughs> I'm only there for Fonzie. <laughs> Fonz, <laughs> what a guy! 
but I don't yeah, think so. like the otherworldly beatdown led into a different, completely race, like completely different race. When I came back for like the last forty-five minutes, and I'm pretty sure RJ, you saw all that you needed to see to know how that race ended. Um, so maybe one of the uh, the uh, the most iconic moments of IndyCar racing in the mid '90s happened at Laguna Seca. It was the final lap of the championship finale. It was Brian Herta leading most of the race. And in swoops, rookie of the year, Alex Zanardi, with just the most ridiculous batshit insane pass at the corkscrew, which, of course, in 2017 terms, probably would have been illegal because he stepped way over the track limits. But hey, it still counts in 1996 money, and that's good enough for me. Um, so Ranger Van de Zanda, a name that if you are an avid IMSA watcher, you probably know about because he's been one of the best drivers in the series for a number of years. And if you are not an avid fan of IMSA, you should probably get to know him because he is one of the best drivers in IMSA. Um, pulled off an absolute blinder of a pass at the same spot and on the final lap of the race. And y'all, it was, it was something of an upset when you consider... Uh, that visit Florida racing the team um, they're a single car entity they have one of the global LMP2 cars they don't have a Cadillac Delara that's just been beating everybody down um, and also you have you also have to consider the fact that Hurricane Irma that just passed through Florida had completely ravaged their home state and their shop yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, they're, so this they're was the not only a hard times Yep, it was it was a pretty popular win, and all Vanderzanda had to do was just shoot up the inside of turn seven, go passing the corkscrew, and his team has won a race in MC. Oh, that's actually pretty neat. Yeah, like oh, what was the last race that the Visit Florida Boys won? Like it was a while back. Now I have to look this up since I mentioned it. God damn it. <laughs> we're we're back into the uh, we're. Probably going back into the days where Tudor was still the title sponsor of this series. Yeah, we're uh, we're just gonna scam. I think we're I think we're going back to like the Spirit of Daytona days. Mm-hmm. I think the last time that they had one uh, was Watkins Glen, twenty fifteen. Okay, wow, they won back to back at the Glen. Yeah. Mm. Uh, two, these two drivers do not race for the team anymore. Yes. Michael Valiante and Richard Westbrook. Westbrook's now with Ford. I have no idea what Valiante was doing, but he was supposed to be a can't-miss prospect back in the mid-2000s. <sighs> yeah, American sports car racing is weird. <laughs> yep. <laughs> American sports car racing is still in better health than it is on the other side of the fence. Hi. Ah, <laughs> oh, golly. Um, we are we are big supporters of uh of the youth movement in motorsport. Yes, sir. Um, Lando Norris is very very good at his job. Yes, sir. Mister like, Calrissian himself. <laughs> yeah. Um, all Lando Norris had to do was just finish last race of the European Formula Three weekend at Spielberg. And he's your champion for 2017, which is kind of a big deal, considering he does not drive for Prima Power Team. Um, and then Ralph Aaron and him collided. And that created 
created semi-professional sadness man Lando Norris. Oh, poor, poor Lando. <laughs> no, no, I'm not having this. There is no poor Lando here. Like, like I said this before we went on the air, and I'm saying this again. <laughs> the man has a 74-point championship lead with 75 points available in Hockenheim. You guys are feeling sorry for a guy that he didn't get to win the title two weeks early. I am not having this. <laughs> like, I, I think I think this just confirms everything. Lando Norris, the next Lewis Hamilton. Yes, he will win it in, a, in <laughs> He will win it in the most dramatic style possible. He will leave it until race three with a heroic drive from the back of the grid to finish in like seventh or something to win the title by like three points. Like, go Lando! <laughs> like, no, I'm not feeling sorry for Lando Norris. Boo-hoo, he has to wait two weeks to pop some victory champagne, which he's probably too young to drink anyway. No, I'm not having this. (laughs) Stuff your narrative up your butts, okay? All I'm going to do is laugh at the where places like Lando Norris would rather be meme that's hit the internet in the last few days instead. It should be noted that Lando Norris turns 18 in November. (laughs) Yeah. Give him all the rose water. All of it. All of it. Like, I'm not having this. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, we we, we record, for for the record, because we haven't got, like, video podcasts yet. Like, RJ O'Connell in our Discord group has just posted a meme of Fernando Alonso on the Iron Throne from Game of Thrones and Lando sitting just beneath him. It is glorious. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what the thumbnail is going to be this week guys <laughs> uh, yep that's that's definitely going to be the thumbnail <laughs> yep. Definitely... <laughs> yep as it should be yep king you know what to do so um yeah poor lando norris for not winning the title two weeks early what a git um no i, I refuse to fall sorry for him on this one this is a you problem y'all all of you um you guys are awful awful people um RJ, talk to me a bit about Super Formula. It was it was very good. Um, Motorsport.com stream actually worked for this one. I watched the video on demand because I was whoo, feeling that fatigue. Um, Yuhi Sakaguchi took the win by about two tenths of a second over Pierre Gasly to deny Gasly the first Super Formula hat trick in six years. This was in context the year that Andre Lauderer did not run the whole season because of his commitments with Audi at Le Mans, but that's all right because he pretty much won every race that he entered and won the championship on a rampage. Um, what this sets up is an interesting situation for the final doubleheader round at Suzuka, the Jaff Grand Prix, where you get basically half points, five for a win, four for second place, three for third, etc., etc. But you also get three bonus points for winning the race, so you, so you actually get eight points for winning, four for finishing second. And y'all, it's uh, we still have eight drivers who are still mathematically eligible for the championship, Ooh. including... Both Andre Lauder, Kazuki Nakajima, Pierre Gasly, and the aforementioned Felix Rosenquist, they're all all in it. Sekiguchi is in it as well. Defending champion Yuji Kudamoto is in it, though he has to sweep the weekend and take bowl position in both races just to have a chance. So too does Kamui Kobayashi. 
and they all have to beat Hiroki Ishiura, who's probably one of the best kept secrets in motorsport on the national level because he's already a Super Formula champion, has been one of Super GT's best drivers for about a decade, and probably should have had a Toyota LMP1 drive about five or six years ago. It's going to be a fun one, and that happens next month. Pierre Gasly and Felix Rosenquist trying to bid to become the first rookie champion since A. Schumacher did it about 21 years ago. Gasly's only a half point back. And he's the only Honda driver that's in this running. Like, he is single-handedly putting Honda on his back, though. Hasn't he got, like, twice as many points as any other Honda runner? Is that, is that a, a true stat that I saw yesterday after that race? Oh, it's not entirely sh- true. He has three times as many. <laughs> <laughs> well, hmm, when you put it like that. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and, you know, it, 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 it almost seems like, because I've heard, seen it around, like, oh, this is just a slam dunk that Pierre Gasly is going to win this title. Like, y'all, this is this is not Formula 2. This is a true professional's championship. Um, if he wins this championship, he's going to have to work for it. It's not just like, oh, well, you get the top prospect in Formula 2 and you just beat a bunch of amateur has-beens and never was's. Like, no, y'all. Y'all, Andre Lauder's won Le Mans three times. Kazuki Nakajima's one of the best guys in LMP1 right now. Phoebus Rosenquist is pretty damn good, as we have discussed about 10 minutes ago on this podcast. Mm-hmm. He has to beat all these guys. And those are just the names you probably recognize. Please go watch Super Formula, especially when motorsport TV stream actually works. <laughs> Definitely, you... we'll, 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 we'll sit down and try and make that happen, for sure. Definitely. Um, that, is, that sounds like a very intriguing series finale. So, just before we go, anything else to declare, fellas? <laughs> uh, let me do a quick search. It looks like nothing in particular... Uh, I think we have covered everything in the non-news that happens. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I think I, I think we've got that shit covered. Like just 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 a hunch. Um, all I have learned is that people were blowing up Instagram during Marco Marco's Andretti's wedding, and we were all there for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, gotta but... get gotta get turned in Nazareth when you get when you go to your Andretti, you just gotta get turned. <laughs> <laughs> Kids, this is why I don't drink. Um, <laughs> Oh dear, oh dear. Um, there's new renovations to the Jim Clark Museum in Scotland. Oh yes, they have finally reached their funding goal, and the Jim Clark Room can now become the Jim Clark Museum. Yay! Go Jim Clark! Wait, did, who, did Zoe Hamilton hack the Discord? <laughs> nope. Uh, they declared Joseph Newgarden Day at Hendersonville, Tennessee as hometown. Joseph Newgarden Day! Yes! I'm all here for Joseph Newgarden. Can we hula hoop on the day? Lewis Hamilton went to Milan Fashion Week. Nah, should have went to New York Fashion Week, bum. You bum. (laughs) You bum. Also this weekend, I am going going on a personal trip to a convention in Atlanta. Um, Not just to see friends, but also to to make a pilgrimage. Ooh. To uh to the northernmost suburb of, Ac- of uh, Ackworth, Georgia, because there is a Shoney's Kitchen and Bar that is about um, 20 miles north of Atlanta. The reason why this bar is so special is that it's owned by um by a by a prolific athlete <laughs> named, uh, known oh. as uh, 
uh, former University of Michigan alumnus, um, NCAA double All-American. He goes uh, by his Tats records at Scott Recksteiner. You may know him as Big Big Papa Papa Punk, Punk. Freakzilla, Scott Steiner. (laughs) Scott friggin' Steiner? (laughs) Yes, Scott Steiner owns a Shoney's. It is basically just like Americana dining. Um, you know, just very basic stuff. This one has a bar, though, which is very unique for Shoney's. And also the billboard. Um, wow. It, there's no context for why why there is this muscly gentleman with a chainmail head covering with a goatee. Or why he's on this billboard for Shoney's. It doesn't bother to explain it. But if you know anything about this man, you know exactly what this is trying to tell you. And it's telling you to go to... They have 22 TVs at this place. And there's free Wi-Fi. Free Wi-Fi. And there's beer, y'all. I'm going to get turned. If if we ever start doing shows on location, we need to have one show at at that show. (laughs) We're going to the Steiner Bros. Shoney's in Ackworth. It's either this or the last remaining Popeye's Buffet in Lafayette, Louisiana. <laughs> that needs to be a thing. That's going to be episode it is 200. A thing. <laughs> like, no, we have to record a podcast on tour. Like, I have to go to America and record an episode of the podcast now. Like, like Dre's American Tour is like the spin-off show from Motorsport 101. Like, Dre does America. <laughs> The wheels are in motion. I'm going to open a Kickstarter for us. Oh, dear. <laughs> like, everybody loves those on the internet, right? Right? This is this is, this is is what your money is going to when you back us on Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. <laughs> it is for us to visit Big Papa Pump at a show that he owns. And on that note, I think it's only fitting that we depart. <laughs> Um, just, just a quick wrap up again. Basically, it's motorsport101.net, youtube.com forward slash motorsport101, facebook.com forward slash motorsport101, twitter at motorsport underscore 101, at harrison101hd, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King. That's two two gays. And as said, you can back us on Patreon up at patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. And remember, at the final level, you get early access to both this show and Bike Live. Again, please listen in this week. Aragon was fantastic. Go out of your way to listen if you haven't already. Hopefully, I'll be back again next week. No guarantees. (laughs) But until then, um, hopefully next time. I've been Andre Harrison. It's so good to be back. <laughs> Thanks, of course, Please to Ryan. Don't leave us. <laughs> I'll try, RJ. I'll try. I promise. Um, of course, massive thanks, as always, to Ryan King and RJ O'Connell. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll catch you guys next time. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye.